the world leader in Internet Talk Radio. Internet Talk Radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. The Internet's most listened to talk radio network, voiceamerica.com, with Joyce Bender and Disability Matters. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guests, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Welcome to the show, and let me tell you, we are going to shake everything up today with this exciting guest we have, who I think very highly of. But before I introduce her and talk about these issues, I just wanted to mention to you again how much I appreciate your support. This listening audience that we have is tremendous, and don't think you aren't making a difference by supporting this show. You are making a big difference, and I really, really, really appreciate your support, your email, uh, everything that you're doing. I always say if we can all get together, we can make a big difference, so this is a start. And that's what I was talking to our guest about before we came on the air, and we are really honored and excited today to have Lori Ahern, who's the Associate Director for the Mental Disability Rights International Organization, on our radio show. And may I tell you, listeners throughout the world, she's a real civil rights leader for people with disabilities. Lori, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. It's a real honor to be here and uh, the work you're doing and all of your listeners it's it's just a it's just a pleasure and um, I'm really excited to have a chance to talk with you about these issues well we're excited and I'll tell you what Lori we have some groups that are of course all what all shows can be heard by going to my website because they're all archived mm-hmm. but we have a movement of people especially in the youth leadership they want to get all these shows available to young people with disabilities in schools. So that's why we choose people like you, who oh. I feel are part of our civil rights history. Well, thank you very much. So, Lori, maybe we can start by telling some of the people listening to the show, before we talk about the Mental Disability Rights International, maybe we could start by you telling them how you first became an advocate. Because, you know, it's one thing to have a disability, but it's another thing to be a leader and an advocate the way you are. Well, thank how, you. how did that all happen? Well, um, a little bit about uh, how I got into this. Uh, I guess the most obvious way um, my introduction to all of this was when I myself was 19 years old and had a breakdown and ended up um, in a psychiatric hospital with eventually um, a diagnosis of schizophrenia. And at that time, and I don't know that it's all, all that different now, um, um, in fact, I hear a lot that it's very, unfortunately, very much the same. At that time, you know, I was a young person. I was looking forward to finishing my education, to, um, uh, you know, getting my own apartment, traveling, all this, having friends, having a life. Um, and basically this diagnosis came slamming down on me with, uh, with a basically a prophecy of doom, if you will. Um, it's, within that diagnosis, I was told either overtly or covertly that my life was pretty much over in terms of my dreams and that, um, and that I needed to uh, really uh, have a diminished um, 
expectation of what my life was going to be about. And, um, and that was more devastating to me than the symptoms that brought me to the attention of the mental health system to begin with. Um, so I think what you were told, what you were told by the professionals. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. That's right. What I was told. And unfortunately, I hear it very often from young people that they still hear that same message. And, um, and I think it's tremendously important. And I remember at that time there was no one that I knew that um, had, had had given this kind of a diagnosis or this 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 kind of a prophecy of doom for their life, and then and then were able to uh, overcome it and were able to to live a, you know a good life. There were no role models, and um, and I could certainly understand why because the stigma and the discrimination is tremendous. Um, so I I actually when I got out of the hospital after my second hospitalization. I uh, eventually started working again. I had some friends that were very supportive of me, um, helped me through it. Um, my family, part of my family was extremely helpful. And then I needed to get back into life, and I think that was a very important part of uh, my recovery. And I worked many, many years as a newspaper reporter and editor, and then about 15 years ago, got very involved um, in the advocacy movement. And I had done some advocacy through my writing, but I actually left um, the writing and reporting field and co-founded a national center funded by the federal government um, to promote the empowerment and uh, self-determination of people who have been diagnosed with mental illness. You know what? That is tremendous what you did. You truly are a champion, Lori. Well, thank you so much. You are a champion doing that. Well, it helps me as well. I mean, it helps me every day. Um, It helps me um, kind of stay centered. It helps me to know that perhaps other people don't have to have that sort of hopelessness that goes with that diagnosis. And it really is sort of a hopeless um, message that people get. And I and I think it's important that there be a counter message, that, yes, people can go through very difficult times. They can have um, these difficulties, but they can, they can have a life and they can live a self-determined life. Now, Lori, did you have, prior to the age of 19, then you had no idea that you had this disability. Is that correct? Um, well, no. I mean, uh, what we know is that um, statistically an awful lot of people who get labeled with mental illness have some kind of trauma or history in their background, not always, but a fair amount of time. And certainly that was, that was my MO, if you will. But looking back on it now, um, uh, and I've done a lot of research on recovery. I've also written a lot about what helps people recover. Um, you know, I was breaking down for quite a while. When I look at look back at it um, in retrospect, I can see how it was not something that happened overnight. It was something that was a process, and um, and for a number of reasons and many combinations of reasons, I wasn't able to um, prevent that from happening. And um, and so so be it. So it was. So it was. Um, but, you know, I work with a lot of young people 
um, apart from my uh, position at Mental Disability Rights International, I do some work with young people um, in um, in helping them um, try to get through these difficulties without, uh, um, you know, having it really completely interfere with their life. Yeah, I guess, the, you know, when I'm hearing you talk about this, we need so much more education for the professionals and mm-hmm. for the doctors and mm-hmm. for the people that you're dealing with. Because it's the same thing, you know, similar to when people have epilepsy, which I have. Right. How, you know, when I first told the doctor, oh, you know, I can't believe I have epilepsy, and he said, don't say that word, don't say that. Uh-huh. Don't say, say seizure disorder. Oh. Okay. So right away, of course, this is in my mind, oh, that's bad, you know. Right, right. You should be ashamed if you have this. Right. And, uh, and, and as you said, it is those people that I feel are causing so many problems because they're they're putting that label on that, that you know, that instead of saying, oh, hey, no problem. Mm-hmm. You're going to be able to deal with this and have a wonderful life. Here's what you have to do. Sure, sure. But that's not what you hear, unfortunately. I no. mean, I think there are some good professionals whose consciousness have been raised that they, they will approach it that way. And certainly um, recovery or self-determination or an empowerment model is getting more and more, um, you know, into the lexicon, as it were. But um, it's 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 real important that um, that people have some hope and that they, um, you know, ha- have something to hold on to. Because if they don't, um, you know, it's really hard. It's hard enough in life to put one foot in front of the other, as it is, because life is a challenge. Um, but when you add these added factors, you really Hope is, is, to me, is you know, is as important as um, as any pill that you take as well. Because if you don't have that, um, it's pretty hard to uh, get up in the morning. And as you say, the you know the the label um, of in your case epilepsy carries so much baggage with it um, that and it's the same thing with schizophrenia. I mean, people hear that term, they you know they they read in the paper. I mean, I worked in the media for many years. And you know you'll see, you'll see you know man with schizophrenia kills five in McDonald's. Uh, you'll see that in a headline. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll see that now. If, you know we know from one of the biggest studies, the MacArthur study that was done around people diagnosed with mental illness and violence, that there is no more violence um, among people with mental illness. In fact, there's less. They're more likely to hurt themselves than hurt anybody else. Um, and so, but if you see that enough, you start to, you know, you start to believe it, and 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 people start incorporating, in, you know, into their belief system. Mm-hmm. And so, do we have a lot of work to do in terms of, in terms of that? I agree with you. When someone brought that up to me, I said, "Okay, now what about the billions of people throughout time from the day of the caveman? What about the billions of people who have killed or hurt someone, and it did not say?" They had schizophrenia. Right, right. right. There's a exactly. reason for that. Exactly. You know, the, the the shame is that they feel this need to add that. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know what I and mean? It, that would yeah. be like a woman with epilepsy kills someone. Exactly. And if you read that five or six times, you'd start to make a connection. You'd start to think, oh, well, epilepsy must cause people to kill people. Um, so, you know, it's it's it's. Well, you have a very good angle on that with your background in the media. Mhm, mhm, and it really is something that um uh that we need to work on, and you know 
So, and you I'm, are working on There's it. plenty of work to be done. Yes. Well, I'll tell you what. We're excited to have you on the show. This is, to me, a very important show, Lori, and I also am proud of everything you're doing. We'll be right back to talk to a civil rights champion for people with disabilities. This is Joyce Bender. You're listening to Lori Ahern from the Mental Disability Rights International Group, and we're on voiceamerica.com. We'll be back. The world leader in Internet talk radio. You're listening to voiceamerica.com. At Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at BenderConsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.BenderConsult.com in the U.S., and www.benderofcanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom, and independence for people with disabilities. www.benderconsult.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Have you put down the morning paper in disgust because they weren't reporting what you wanted to read? Have you wondered why there aren't more women's voices in the news? Well, so have I, and we're about to change that. This is former Minnesota State Senator Ember Rice-Scott-Young. I hope you'll join me for a new radio show every Thursday all about women on the move. We'll look at what's missing in the news, the issues often ignored in mainstream media, like how does Social Security reform really affect women? Why is the Department of Labor proposing to stop collecting workforce data on women? What role will women play in Iraq's new government? We'll create that debate right here. The Ember Rice Scott Young Show will have prominent women you know and inspiring women you don't know. We'll share stories of women's leadership, courage, and vision. We just need you to be part of the conversation. So join us for the Ember Rice Scott Young Show every Thursday at 1 p.m. Central Time. It's all about you, women on the move, on voiceamerica.com. The world leader in Internet talk radio. radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. If you have a question or comment, please call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome back. We are talking to Lori Ahern the Associate Director of the Mental Disability Rights International. And, Lori, why don't you take a moment first and tell all our listeners what your organization is all about. 
Sure, sure. Um, and again, it's a great pleasure, real honor to be here. Thank you. Um, Mental Disability Rights International is an international human rights organization. <clears throat> excuse me. That um, that was founded 12 years ago, and it was founded in response to the fact that um, in the human rights world, um, the idea that people in psychiatric institutions, in uh, nursing homes, in home care uh, facilities, uh, didn't have the same rights as other other people um, seemed to be a, a huge problem. There were other human rights organizations that would focus on political prisoners or women, uh, but this population was completely ignored um, and somehow relegated to a medical problem. Um, and so, you know, a political prisoner in a cage in a psychiatric institution would um, would receive all kinds of press and would be called torture. Um, the same person in the same cell next to that person would be ignored because they had a psychiatric disability or a developmental disability. So our organization focuses on people with developmental, intellectual, and or psychiatric institution, uh, psychiatric disabilities. Um, we do very uh, kind of typical human rights investigations and reports. Um, and when we go into institutions, we invariably find people with all kinds of disabilities, uh, physical, physical with some psychiatric or physical with some developmental. It's very common. Um, so we do the, the human rights reports where we expose the most egregious human rights violations. But then we are different in that we also stay in the country. We realize that in order to have sustainable change, the people in the countries themselves who want change really are the ones who have to do it. So. We organize with human rights groups, human rights lawyers, parents of children with developmental or intellectual disabilities, ex-psychiatric patients, um, advocates, uh, and we organize and we help train them to to help them make change in their own country. Um, we're working now in many countries in Eastern Europe um, and Latin America. We've worked in about 23 countries uh, thus far. Uh, I myself am working in, I oversee our Eastern European office, which is in Kosovo, um, and I'm working in Kosovo, Serbia, Turkey, Romania, um, and we also have a project, a huge project in Latin America right now. And you know what, that is so exciting. Let me ask you now, Lori, when you go to these countries, what is your first contact? Where do you go? We... We go to countries where we, we make contacts ahead of time with, um, with the advocates themselves. Um, and we go into countries where the advocates want us to come in. We don't want to be the, you know, the ugly Americans going in and telling people what to do. Um, and so we, we go into countries where, and, and in most countries, quite frankly, there is, uh, you know, uh, people, groups of people who want to advocate for change. And then, these countries that we're working in, um, these are countries where deinstitutionalization has not happened. That um, that you don't see you, you don't see people with disabilities of any kind. Uh, they're either in an institution or you know they're locked in the back bedroom, and there's very little middle ground. Um, and so, in countries where there are institutions, and many of them, um, you know the, the Unfortunately, the opportunity for abuse is huge, 
and um, and families who don't want to give up um, uh, their loved ones, uh, children with disabilities, feel forced to do it. Um, and so, so you know, we work on both levels. We expose the abuses, and we also work long term. Now, when you say the advocates in these countries, mm -hmm. would that be uh, like some small organization, uh, a disability rights organization uh, that's connected to a university? or, or Not necessarily. I'll, I'll give you an example. In Kosovo, for instance, two, let's see, two, three, three years ago we wrote um, a report which um, exposed the abuses in the institution um, there, very large institution, and there were people with developmental or intellectual disabilities, people with psychiatric histories, there were people with physical disabilities, there were children mixed in with adults, um, and we laid it out what the problems were, but we also laid out what the solutions were. Um, so since that report has come out, we have been working for the last couple of years in Kosovo. We have partnered with um, an organization called Handicoast, which is what I would say is similar to um, um, an IL center uh, here in the United States. Mm -hmm. um, there are about 20-some-odd uh, uh, of these centers around Kosovo. We have partnered with them. We have partnered with uh, other uh, groups that serve, like, for instance, groups that work with battered women and groups that work with uh, uh, poverty on, and train them on to how they could support people with uh, psychiatric or developmental disabilities. Also, we've worked with international donors, and instead of having them come in and re-fix the institutions or paint them up because they might look a little nicer and the... And the, and the uh, the abuses don't look so obvious if there's if everyone's in nice pajamas and 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 uh, and there's nice paint on the wall and they're getting food, good food. But the point is that they're being detained and they're not at all included in the community. And um, all people have a human right to to be um, to live the most integrated and, and um, you know life and part of the community. And these people are just arbitrarily detained in these institutions. So we. We uh, worked with other organizations, funders, to build small group homes, you know, five, six, seven, which is not, you know, the ideal, but we were able to uh, work with that. We're also partnering with other disability groups to, um, we are working right now to form the first National Council on Disability in Kosovo, which will be the advisory body to the government on disability issues, um, which is greatly needed. I mean, there was just a law that was going to be passed about six months ago, which we found out about, and we were able to get a lot of media attention. And, um, you know, I flew in there, and we were able to talk to the press and talk to the government, and they were going to pass a law that would ban marriage for anybody who had ever been labeled with a psychiatric illness. Oh. <laughs> so... So, um, you know, to have a National Council on Disability, um, which would advise the, uh, the government, um, the Prime Minister and the Prime Minister's office, uh, would be a tremendous um, step in the right direction. And, and they're very open to this, and they're 
I'm going to Kosovo next week, and I'll be meeting with the Prime Minister's office on this next week. And also one of the things we did was we started peer support groups. Um, Kosovo uh, is a poor place. Uh, it has a very high unemployment rate, um, and many, many of the citizens there especially, well, all have been affected by the war. And when during the war um, rape was used as a, a weapon of war in Kosovo, um, and many women um, have been, you know, very adversely affected as a result of this and have been in and out of psychiatric hospitals. And so we started to form peer support groups um, for women. Um, that was our first uh, sort of stab at it. And uh, these women were amazing, and they, they never heard of the concept of peer support before, but um, we started it, and it's it's really going well. And now these women who were meeting, talking about their own difficulties, still support each other, but now they are going into institutions and helping women who are in institutions transition out. You know what? That is so wonderful. I'm hearing you talk about all this, Lori, and I'm thinking, you know what? This just says it all, though, about our disability community. Here you are. In my, as far as I'm concerned, what you're doing is absolutely phenomenal. Well, thank you. And you are a real patriot, what you're doing. And you know... You're embarrassing what, <laughs> Well, no, I want to tell you what bothers me. That in our own disability community, that, you know, that people aren't re recognized enough for all these things. Mm -hmm. I mean, my hat's off to Andy Imperato. Sure. Uh, and AAPD, another person who's a big advocate for people with psychiatric disabilities because of that gala he has. Yes, yes, yes. You know, and I know Allison, who works with you, uh, was a Paul Hearn winner. That's right, that's right. And I, my hat's off to him because I always tell him that AAPD gala is like our version of the Academy Awards. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, um, but you know what? For the things that people do, you know, you don't see this on the national news. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I know. You, see you don't the, see. Yeah. <laughs> you don't see all of this, just as you said. Now, if I would be talking to you and you were doing all these things, but it was political prisoners or you know something like that. Right, right, right. You, you would not be talking to me. You'd be talking to Katie Couric. <laughs> so, well, I think so, I might rather talk to you. So, <laughs> so you know, we need we need to get united. I mean, we need for these stories to be more well-known. Although, make no mistake about it, I mean, what I think you're doing there is so great, and my heart goes out to all these people because I'm thinking about what I do for a living, which is employ people with disabilities. Mm -hmm. And let's be honest, in some of those countries, like that's so far removed from, from even right. being an opportunity. Right, right. As I said, in Kosovo, it, you know, there there are no curb cuts. There are no accessible either programmatically or physically accessible schools. Um, you do not, you know, this, it's the invisible. It is, people are invisible, people with disabilities. And it's, you know, they are just beginning to, um, to uh, make inroads there. And one of the things that my organization has done, other than the working with, uh, oh, Okay, that's all right. You know what? We'll be right back to continue talking about this because I have a few questions for you from some listeners. Great. Um, this is Joyce Bender, and we're talking to Lori Ahern, Associate Director of Mental Disability Rights International, 
and you're listening to voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. Bringing the world together. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. At Vendor Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at BenderConsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.BenderConsult.com in the U.S., and www.benderofcanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.benderconsult.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Thank you for calling voiceamerica.com. Hello, this is Rory Garay, president of Greyhound Pets of America and host of Greyhounds Make Great Pets on Voice America. Join me every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern for an insightful and enjoyable talk about one of man's best friends, the Greyhound. Learn about the history of the Greyhound, discuss proper obedience and training techniques, and find out more about the Greyhound racing industry and what they are doing to help the adoption effort of the former race dog. If you own a Greyhound or just love dogs like I do, join me for Greyhounds Make Great Pets every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific right here on America's Voice. VoiceAmerica.com. The world leader in Internet Talk Radio. Internet Talk Radio. You're listening to America's Voice. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. If you have a question or comment for Joyce or her guest, please call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now back to Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome back. We are talking to Lori Ahern, the Associate Director of Mental Disability Rights International. And Lori, before I go any further, one question. What is your website? mdri.org, www.mdri.org. So if anyone wants to review any of this information, go to mdri.org. Right. Okay. Wonderful. All right. Just wanted to make sure we have that clear for everyone. Um, We have always have questions from people either directly or people who call me or listeners who call me or email us Mm -hmm. because you know, as you know, we PR these shows way ahead of time. So do some of our wonderful friends like AAPD. And one 
question that seemed to keep coming over and over again. I wanted to ask you from a young man right here in Pennsylvania is, Lori, could you tell me why physical disabilities and psychiatric disabilities are treated so differently? I have a psychiatric disability, but it doesn't seem the same. Well, I, I can certainly empathize with what he is saying, um, and he's right. I think there is a, you know, a, a perception, uh, just as we were talking a little bit earlier, um, uh, about the media, how the media treats people with uh, psychiatric disability. Also, too, there's a perception, I think, that people can't regain, if you know, if a person has temporary uh, distress or temporary um, uh, sort of acute problems, but uh, is able to regain control of their life, it's still that stigma is there. I now remember that. Um, you know, people that knew that I had been diagnosed with schizophrenia, it, it seems like every time, and not my close friends, but people around me who knew, um, every time I had a strong emotion, if I got, you know, if I got upset or if I got angry, I must be becoming paranoid. Or if I got, you know, if I got happy, oh, maybe I'm becoming manic. Or, you know, everything was pathologized. And what was human emotion, normal human emotion for everyone um, was the same for me, that I, yes, I'm going to have days when I'm going to cry and days when I get upset and days when I get irritated. Um, welcome to the human race. Um, and uh, unfortunately, when you have a label of uh, major mental illness, uh, people who are not so enlightened tend to frame that in some kind of um, pathology, which is very unfortunate. Mm -hmm. It is. And you know, I, I know that you know that with me, my whole life is all about employment. I guess if you would right. say, what area is my advocacy? It's in trying to gain competitive employment right. for people with disabilities. Right. Um, so I wanted to ask you, what's your opinion in the area of employment for people with psychiatric disabilities? Uh, have you seen any move forward? Where do you feel we are? Oh, that's a good question. Um, well, first I'd like to just back up and just say that um, in the research that I have done and others have done on what helps people recover, what helps people um, sort of, you know, regain control over their life. And really, you know, when you're, when you're diagnosed with a mental illness, it, part of that label that's so damaging is that um, within that label is a belief that you, can, you cannot take care of your life, that you cannot, you know, control your life. And um, so, and that's, you know, that's, that was fine for me when I was a child, but as an adult, I want to feel like I have some control over my life. Um, mm -hmm. And so when you look at what helps people recover um, or regain control over their life, employment or having meaningful work um, or having a meaningful role is extremely important. So it's unfortunate and, um, and sad that one of the things that people are told is to, you know, avoid you know, to take a low-stress job or not to um, not to reach too high or not to expect too much, wherein actually if people can realize their dreams, whatever that is for them, um, they seem to do better. They seem to do better. So employment, um, and obviously when you're not employed or you're underemployed, poverty is a big issue for people as well. Um, and poverty is... A difficult thing for anyone, and so it's certainly um, 
you know, that's another reason, obviously, that employment um, is really important. In terms of the stigma and discrimination, I think we have more people that are out. Um, you know, we've had people in Washington and, in, you know, uh, I believe in Clinton's administration and other sort of actors and actresses. Um, but I still think day to day um, it can be difficult. And I know when I first started working uh, as a newspaper editor and reporter, particularly in that field, I, you know, my credibility was my job. Um, or my job was my credibility, and um, I'm pretty sure that had I come out, uh, I would not have gotten that job. I don't know how that is today. Um, I have to say that many years ago, probably about, I don't know, six or seven or eight years ago, I was running this advocacy center, um, co-running it, and um, my son, who is now in his 20s, had gone off to college, and I had some free time, and I thought, gee, maybe I'll do a little freelance reporting. And I um, uh, I sent in, I talked to an editor in a newspaper, and I had done a lot of a lot of writing. I worked for the Boston Globe, the Associated Press. Um, and I sent in my uh, resume, and he said, oh, yes, I could definitely use a freelancer. And then when he saw who it was, um, he never called me back. And I had just been in the Boston Globe the week before, um, big story about um, recovery and our center and, and advocacy, mm. and I often wonder if um, if that had anything to do with that. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, yeah, I, think, I, I mean, it is, and that's the reality of it. And I and I think that people, you know, certainly there is the ADA, but um, the subtleties of discrimination. Sometimes uh, we were talking about this off air. Um, you know, you can't be so obvious, maybe, but there's still discrimination there. Yeah, um, there is. No doubt about it. Uh, that is why, you know, it's so hard for people with psychiatric disabilities mm -hmm. to gain competitive employment, as with other, you know, disability groups. Right. But this is what I always tell companies. When I go to a company and they have never worked before, with people with disabilities, this is what they'll tell me. And I'll tell them, oh, yes, you have. They're working for you right now. Right. There are people like me with epilepsy or people who are bipolar, right. you know, or people who have depression. But guess what? They're not going to tell you. Right. It was interesting. Um, when I was at the other center, the National Empowerment Center, we ran a conference one year for, um, for uh, mental health professionals. And all the workshops were given by ex-psychiatric patients or people who have been labeled with mental illness. And... The whole week was we had a couple of hundred professionals, psychologists, social workers, masters in education type, psychiatrists, uh, line staff, you name it. And by the end of the week of the conference, when the conference was over, I would say at least half of those people came to us and said, you know, I was in a psychiatric hospital. I had a bout with this. I was diagnosed with this. I have this label, too. It was, it was quite interesting. It's an outing. Yes, you're absolutely right, though. You're absolutely right. And yeah, that, that is amazing how that is. Well, what one thing I want to talk to you about before we go back to this, because I want to make sure we get to talk about this, mm -hmm. especially with your background, Lori. What do you think media, television, and Hollywood are doing to hurt people with psychiatric disabilities? Well, I mean, I think the... 
the, the media, uh, I think the media is getting maybe a little bit better, but unfortunately not, not, not a whole lot better. And, and even, you know, Hollywood, uh, um, Hollywood still shows, portrays people as scary and violent and, um, and not in control. Um, and I think that although there is a, there has been a campaign to say that, you know, these problems are like medical problems and they, uh, it's not your fault. Um, I've been reading some research lately that, um, seems to show that uh, it's sort of having the opposite effect as far as stigma and discrimination. And I'm hoping to spend a little more time looking into this. There's some recent research coming out of the University of Auckland in New Zealand, this Dr. John Reed. And basically what it's showing is that when people think that people with um, psychiatric disabilities have some control as opposed to they have no control they can't do anything about it. It's not their fault. They, it's not, you know, that they have no control over their emotions. That people get more, are more discriminatory, and they're more worried, and they, um, and they think that um, uh, they, they're more dangerous. Whereas when they feel that people can regain control of their life and live a self-determined life, then the discrimination drops and the stigma drops. Yeah, and that which and that doesn't that make perfect sense? It does. And it does. I think that you know, as for Hollywood, they have must stop all these movies, especially if they're suspense films or whatever. That oh, here's that killer from the institution. That's right. And they really have to stop doing this because what they don't understand is there are children at home dealing with issues every day as they're growing up. And they don't want to be labeled. And that, That's right. just as you said earlier, <laughs> if every time you read something, it says so-and-so killed their family, and by That's the right. way, they have epilepsy, then you would think everyone who has epilepsy does this. That's right. That's right. I mean, I, I remember a time when you would read a headline, if someone was um, African-American, it would say black man does this. And mm -hmm. there was an outcry about how racist that was. Mm -hmm. And that's not done anymore. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, you don't identify people by race. Um, and because that would obviously start to make you think that a certain particular race is more violent than others. And, uh, um, and that's racism. And that changed, so this can change too. I'll go right along with that. And just let me say, remember... Americans with disabilities and people throughout the world, you are a minority group also. And we that's why we have to unite together. We're talking to Laurier Hearn, the Associate Director of the Mental Disability Rights International. We'll be right back. This is Joyce Bender, the voice of VoiceAmerica.com. The world leader in Internet Talk Radio. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. 
At Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at BenderConsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.BenderConsult.com in the U.S., and www.benderofcanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.benderconsult.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. My name is Maxine Thompson, and I am America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. In today's world, it's hard to find the truth with anything. Is there such a thing as the truth? Where and how can I find it? Will someone just give it to me straight? Tune in every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific for Mario Verdad, an exciting new show that will give it to you straight every time and tackle the truth behind everything from political issues and crime to vocational and career counseling. So log on and tune in every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. The world leader in Internet Talk Radio. Internet Talk Radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. If you have a question or comment, please call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome back, and we can't believe that we're getting ready soon to end the show. We've been talking to Lori Ahern, the Associate Director of Mental Disability Rights International. So since we had such positive uh, support through email and calls and everyone telling us about, you know, how happy they, they were that we were going to have Lori on, we are going to schedule her again later this year, um, and then we'll be able to go through more of all the questions being sent to you. That would be great. With your I, permission. I would I would I would love to come back. I really would. I'm I'm tremendously grateful to have this opportunity. Well, Lori, one question I wanted to ask you. What advice do you have for families that have children with psychiatric disabilities? Because we seem to get a lot of uh calls about that. You know, reference to this show. Mm -hmm. I guess that's because people just don't feel like they don't know what to do or that they're abandoned. Right. right. Um, do you have any advice? Well, uh, I would say first of all, don't give up hope on 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 your child or your young um, young adult. Um, most often, people are diagnosed with, uh, although there's exceptions to the rule, but most often people are diagnosed with a mental illness or have their first 
breakdown or however you want to refer to it as between the ages of 16 and 25. And that's a tremendously stressful time not only for parents but also but for children or adolescents. It's a developmental stage when they are sort of uh, separating or trying to, trying to become their own human being, trying to realize some of their dreams or figure out what their dreams are. Um, and when we look at what are the things that really help people regain control, um, it's, it's, um, it's having trusting relationships. It's having uh, an understanding that um, even though people, you know, even when you're experiencing your most severe distress, I mean, even when I was really had a break with reality, I was still in there, and I, I, I couldn't communicate very well, but I remember who touched me and who, who just looked at me and knew that I was in there, because I was still in there, um, and I was still that human being, and I went into another state of reality because this reality was too frightening for me to remain in, and um, what helped me get back was feeling safe enough to come back. And so I would encourage families not to give up in terms of hope for their, for their, uh, for their children or adolescent, to not, um, to not believe too much that this is the end. Rather, this breakdown can become a breakthrough. I mean, it means that a person's life has to be reorganized, that it isn't working quite well for that person. And um, and that can be done. And um, I've worked with many people. I've experienced it myself, and I've researched it on hundreds of people. And it can happen that it becomes a breakthrough, and it doesn't have to be the end of a person's life. Uh, you know, and I would only add to that, and I think that is the best advice you could give any parent, because I want to tell you, once you start getting into that, don't tell anyone and don't talk about this and um, you're really sending the message that there's something wrong with you. Right. I, I know with this happens all the time with epilepsy. Don't tell anyone right. you have this. You know, don't let anyone know. I'm not talking about when you go in an interview. I'm talking about even with your own family. Right, 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 right. But that feeling of you're okay and, you know, you can count on me mm-hmm. and, I, and that, you know, I'm here for you. Right. It, it would... I would think would be critically important. It is critical, and I think I think it's also important to remember that that the dreams that people have, um, you know, don't change. Um, and to give up on them is to give up on the person. And you know, where you know, you just you, you can't put a person's life experiences and fears and traumas and thoughts and emotions and dreams and losses under a microscope and, you know, call it a disease and call a person a schizophrenic. This is a human being, and 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 this is a person who has every human right to, to live the most self-determined life that they can. And so um, um, if someone gives you that prophecy of doom as a parent or as a, if, if there's, a, you know, some young person listening to this, I wouldn't accept it. I wouldn't accept it. Okay, do you hear that? I'm, I want you to repeat that, Lori, for any young people with psychiatric disabilities listening right. to the show today. Right. If someone is saying to you um, that, that you can't have the life that you want to have, um, that you have to accept a diminished uh, life, um, don't accept it. Don't accept it. You might be having some difficulty 
you might be going through a difficult time, but with the right support, you can get through it. And um, and it's not just a few people, a certain special few. Anybody with the right support and help can get through these difficulties and and live a and live a you know self-determined life as you determine your life to be, not someone else. That's right. And it just and you remember the person you're listening to is the associate director of the Mental Disability Rights International, going throughout the world working with state government, state offices to try to help people with psychiatric disabilities, you know, live a normal quality of life. This is the same person who was told. It's all over, Lord. Right. That's right. That is right. And, you know, when I work with people, um, even in the uh, psychiatric movement, uh, consumer movement, as it's called, um, many, many times people talk about that the trauma of being labeled and being told that their life was over and the discrimination, that part of it was more difficult to get over than than the, you know, the upset or the emotional upset or the difficulties they were having that brought them to the attention of the mental health. Yeah, system. you know what, Lori, the next time that you ever have one of these conferences in the United States mm-hmm. or if you ever make T-shirts for people, let's have it say, don't write me off. Exactly, exactly. Don't write me off because isn't that what it's all about? It is. And that is what happens to so many people with disabilities. Yes. They are written off. Yes. We're going to have to get huge banners made. <laughs> I'm all for that. I'm all Don't for write that. me off. I'm Lori, all for that. how about employers who are listening to the show today? Do you have a message for them? I think that, uh, well, I, I personally I have a message that I know I've, I'm a person who has psychiatric disability. I've hired people with psychiatric disabilities, and I work with people with psychiatric disabilities. And I would say because they have had challenges themselves, they tend to be more sensitive, more caring, more productive, um, uh, maybe than the average person. Um, and uh, they have a lot of gifts to bring to the table um, that you would be pleasantly surprised to learn about. And as you said, they, I, I, there's probably no employer around that doesn't have someone already um, with a psychiatric disability and just isn't aware of it. Um, and uh, besides being the legal and right thing to do, um, not to discriminate, um, I think it benefits companies in the end to include all people in the world. Absolutely. And, and again, one more time, don't say, oh, I could never hire people like that. You already have. Right. You know, depression is the number one disability. I mean, one out of five people have this disability. There are people working for you right now who have some type of psychiatric disability. It's just they know that the minute they state that, they'll be treated differently. That's right. That's right. And they don't want to be written off either. That's right. I had a really great uh, statement made by someone I want to make here for the end of our show today, and that is... Don't tolerate me. Welcome me. I love that. Yeah, don't that's wonderful. Yeah, isn't it? Doesn't that say it all? Don't tolerate me. Welcome, welcome me. me. And Lori, I want to say first, an honor to have you on the show, Lori Ahern. Thank Lori, you. So thank much. you so much. It's been an oh, honor to be here. We'll have you back on. And in closing, I always read a quote from a famous disability leader. And sadly today, it is from a colleague of mine, John O'Grady, who passed away April 12, 
2005, a person with epilepsy who said, there are many myths, misunderstandings, and stigma about people with epilepsy. So it's become my passion and purpose to speak about it, write about it, educate people, and raise awareness. John O'Grady passed away April 12, 2005, after complications from a tragic car accident. But as far as I'm concerned, he will always be with us and this. This is Joyce Bender, the voice of VoiceAmerica.com. Talk to you next week. like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com.